0: want to talk to you a little bit about common relationship expectations of dismissive avoidance that when not communicated can actually cause a lot of harm and damage to relationships and I'm doing a series for all different um insecure attachment styles so F-A-D-A-A-P and some of the different relationship expectations they have and what we can actually do with these to sort of almost like alchemize them into something more constructive and productive for relationships So you'll see this big theme in here that's all about being able to communicate so that we're taking the expectation and communicating a need, whatever the need is behind it instead, and then negotiate about it. Because sometimes we can have unrealistic expectations. Um, An example of this is a dismissive avoidance. Um, One of their common expectations is being with a partner shouldn't mean making compromises to my current schedule and life. And when not communicated, you can only imagine how much friction will take place in a relationship, right? You can only imagine how challenging this would be um, for a partner of a DA to be like, hello, but you're supposed to make healthy, um, not concessions, but compromises to um, how you spend your time when we get into partnership, get into relationship together. And this also doesn't mean that whatever the partner says has to go, right? So it doesn't have to be that a dismissive avoidant, um, you know, communicates, hey, I don't wanna make too many changes to my schedule. Um, And it doesn't mean that what the DA says when they communicate has to go either, right? So so you'll see how there's a point for negotiation. So, you know, let's say the dismissive avoidant communicates their expectation. And they say, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about having to make too many compromises to my schedule. And that's where two parties can come together. Let's say there's an AP with a DA. And the AP can say, well, I'd like to meet four times a week. I think that would make me feel like I'm comfortable. I'd like to see you four times a week. And maybe the dismissive avoidance says, look, let's do one weekend night and one weekday. So let's do twice a week. And, you know, ideally, I would like to meet, you know, once, once a week, once every other week. And they're going to have to find that sort of harmony that's somewhere in the middle. Now, for the record, on a side note, this is why communication and negotiation is so important. This is why we're supposed to be doing this in the dating stage of relationships. Because if we have two people who aren't willing to budge, let's say we have a DA who's like, I only want to see somebody once every every other week. And we have an AP who may even when they're people pleasing, try to pretend like that's okay with hopes that it would change later, but maybe truly for an AP, you know, they couldn't do with seeing their partner less than twice a week. That really wouldn't feel happy and fulfilling for them. That's why we vet in the dating stage that's why we take the time to ask these questions to communicate to figure out where people stand so we can see if we're compatible right compatibility means we can find healthy middle ground on our differences and then enjoy our similarities so when I talk about communicating it and then negotiating um the vast majority of time people are very pleasantly surprised at just how much um thriving comes into relationships when they properly communicate and just make those healthy compromises and generally it's much easier than I think people otherwise expect. Um, but in the off chance that that's just not a possibility then maybe it may not be the right fit. So anyways, we're going to go through some common dismissive avoidant expectations um, and the first one as I mentioned is um, uh, my partner. And I shouldn't have to make compromises that change our schedules, right? So I I shouldn't have to compromise how much time I spend um, doing what I want to do in my life. And generally for partnerships, we do have to make a little bit of compromises. And as the relationship progresses and maybe one day you have a family and things like that, of course, there's going to be certain time compromises there. Number two, my partner should always be understanding when I need space again, When I just expect that as a DA, let's pretend, and then I don't communicate about it or that I need understanding or give context for why I need space, then what happens is when my partner doesn't automatically understand like I expect them to because this is my subconscious programmed expectation then what takes place instead is the partner or then the partner says, gets frustrated. And we, we make that mean something. Oh, they don't respect my space. They're trying to control me. I'm trapped, you know? And, and so we give meaning to something when actually in this case, the DA would do very well to communicate what their expectation is and then negotiate it. Right. I need you to be understanding that I need more time to recharge alone than you do. And I need that space. And, You know, the partner can say, okay, but I I miss you and I want to spend a little bit more quality time together. And then that negotiation could look like, okay, well, I really need my space tonight. I need you to respect and understand that. And let's do something really fun Sunday morning together as a couple. And so then we negotiate, we come to common ground and problem is often solved. Um, So that's expectation number two. Expectation number three, conflict should not be occurring if we're happy in a relationship. Um, This is a very painful one because when you think about how we have so much different programming from one another, especially when we have different attachment styles from another person, you can only imagine um, all the potential pain points and challenges we're going to run into, like, especially when it comes to things like this, like how we just carry different subconscious expectations based on our attachment style, according to integrated attachment theory, which is the body of work I developed through the personal development school. And When we can't find common ground, communicate about these things in a healthy manner, then there's just all this unnecessary friction that takes place. And this is why it's so important to evaluate these things, know these things and practice healthy communication. Um, And conflict is very normal, but conflict when we don't do it well, becomes problematic and detrimental and painful and we create resentment out of it when we do conflict effectively like communicate our needs validate each other's feelings or pain or pain points around the perspective um but then work to find common ground through negotiation um we actually breed the opportunity for so so much more growth and closeness long term so this is why this kind of work is super important By the way, if you want to do a deep dive into um, attachment style courses, if you have a different um, attachment style than your partner, we have all these courses you can check out for free for seven days that are in so much detail. And they're all about each attachment style with each other and the pain points, the challenges you're likely to run into and exactly step by step um, what you can do to get out of it. And um, they're super in-depth and they really will help you navigate a relationship if you're currently facing some challenges within it. Um, So that's another big Expectation. Another one is um, my partner and I should each be independently meeting our own needs and then come together without too much investment. And this is because a lot of dismissive avoidance, like if we have codependency and then we have healthy interdependence, which is what we're looking for, and then we have counterdependency or almost like a hyper independent state. You know, when we have this sort of set of extremes and then somewhere in the middle, which is healthy, what we're looking for is hey, I can meet your needs, you can meet my needs, but I can also meet my own needs and you can also meet your own needs. And both polarities are fully accessible so that we can do what feels right, we can show up, meet each other's needs, and make those investments. But at the same time, we also recognize that we will not always be fully available for each other, or that we may have certain things we prefer to do on our own time. So one person may prefer to, um, you know, exercise on their own time, and that may be their thing where they don't want their partner to be there. Or, you know, because that's their, their space that they go to when they're under distress or whatever it might be. So we can have different things we need to do on our own. But when somebody doesn't understand that and is existing on one end of the polarity, it actually acts as a massive barrier towards healthy in, in, interdependence. So um, what, we would neg- what we would communicate and then negotiate here is my partner and I should both be able to meet our own needs is what we're trying to get to. But, um, if you need more time to meet your own needs, you would share that. And then you would negotiate a healthy amount of time with your partner where you will show up to meet each other's needs as well. And again, it takes these expectations from these like floating things that are subconscious that really can cause harm to a relationship and instead grounds them into reality, makes them clear and gives us actionable steps to move through them. So we don't have to deal with like the hard things in the reactive way. The next one is my partner should never emotionally um, rely on me. And this is more like our, you know, more extreme dismissive avoidant attachment style individuals here. Some dismissive avoidance very much recognize that that's um, a, a possibility or a probability in relationships, but they sometimes, you know, don't want their partner to rely on them too much. And their bandwidth for, you know, being available for that can be a lot smaller. And so, again, what do we do? We communicate, we negotiate. Hey, I need you to also emotionally rely on yourself and soothe yourself. Well, what can you be available for? Being able to rely on you as a partner is really important to me, right? I'm pretending I'm the other person now. being <laughs> The anger is preoccupied, for example. And being able to say, well... I would really like to be able to rely on you. Okay. Well, what's, let's find a common ground. Like I'm here for you, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed if I keep, you know, bringing the same situation up over and over again, but then you don't take my advice and you come back and, and bring it back up again the next day. So like, you know, can we have a boundary and how often we bring up the same situations without taking action. Right. So there's ways of like communicating through these things. Um, and that is super important.